Blog Talk Radio. Well, the funny thing about vouching for someone, James, is that when that someone shows himself to be less than what was promised, every decision you take from that point on is second-guessed. And that, in my line of work, is suicide. And besides, why does a cool, mellow fellow like yourself want to hang around with a bunch of stuffy old white guys? Same reason you want to hang around those stuffy old white guys. Power. Connection. But let's keep it real. I'm just a cool, mellow fellow. Just shucking and jiving. Crip walking, basketball playing, singing, dancing, and taking out your garbage. That's what I am to you. You're right. You are African-American. And myself and my friends, for the most part, don't care for the company of African-Americans. Quite frankly, we're entertained by you. We're thrilled by your high-flying acrobatics on the basketball court. That wonderful sense of rhythm you have. Your animal athleticism. But apart from that, we have no use for you. Understand? I mean, let's face it, James. Do you set a place at your dinner table for your pit bulls? Now, is this keeping it real enough? Traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. Okay now, folks, welcome to another edition, another episode, another installment of the Midweek in Review edition of AfroNerd featuring Captain Kirk, but actually it's yours truly, Debert, and the uncanny Daryl B., the grindhouse's uncanny Daryl B., he is in attendance uh, for the foreseeable future for the Midweek in Review because of a new position that the uncanny has garnered. He, uh, until scheduling changes, we have him 
sitting in for the Wednesday show, and we appreciate it. I'm pretty sure at some point he's going to want to sink his teeth into more pop culture fare. But actually today, uh, I have it where the topics will be a bit more of a mixture. So we're still going to do the damn thing and and get his opinion on on a few things going on in pop culture. But there's also some political stuff that we're going to have to talk about, folks. Um, Also, as a reminder, has suffered a tragedy. His sister has passed. And he has certainly uh, my condolences, and I know the Afro-Nerd family uh, definitely would like to give their deepest sympathies for his loss. Uh, he will be back in full effect, I, I surmise, this upcoming Sunday for the Grindhouse. As I said uh, during the last show, if you'd like to give him your condolences, you could definitely check him out via his Twitter page at total intent to at, at Twitter at total intent T O T A L intent I N T E N T or certainly you could contact us at Afro Nerd Blog at Yahoo.com Afro Nerd Blog at Yahoo.com uh, Let's get into an herb alt groove folks even though albeit it is the holiday season so I'm going to have to make that I'm going to have to make that change. And actually, I've been getting some Twitter, response, Twitter responses that folks dig the Yuletide music that we've been playing because I do try to keep it in line with the Urban Alternative, the Black Rock and Roll, the Psychedelic Soul, the Afropunk. Even in that genre, people still know how to create holiday music. So without further ado... Let's go to a remixed classic, and then we'll bring in the Uncanny Daryl B. We'll mix it up. Uh, this is Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow. You know that jam. This is by the late and beauteous Lena Horne. Lena Horne actually lived in the Queens at one point, in St. Albans, Queens. So she's a, a Queens woman. Lena Horne, Let It Snow. We'll be right back, folks. Let's groove.
all those complaints you made about Barack Obama, how come you're not really complaining? I mean, there's people complaining, but it doesn't seem to be gaining any ground. Maybe if, if President Trump becomes uh, – if, if he is actually impeached, maybe this conversation will be – you know, it'll be moot. But it seems like he's, he's still able to kind of go forward and do what the hell he wants to do. So what am I talking about? Last week we had the GOP tax plan that, uh, if anything, if anything, we could say – and I don't agree, even though I'm, I'm conservative. I don't agree with the tax plan. But one can say that this is perhaps his most – his sole successful legis- legislative accomplishment – I say accomplishment in quotes – was this, the passage of the GOP tax plan. Some folks are saying that this is definitely uh, come or uh, income redistribution from the from the poorer from the poorest sectors of society to the wealthy. Whereas when President Obama was in office, you know they would try to say he was doing the opposite. So anyway, I want to play this clip to kind of unpack on the GOP tax bill. I have my own impressions as to what. Uh, African-Americans, people of color should really be doing at this point. And it's going to, I'm going to be drumming the same beat home that, you know, we need to be, we, we really need to be establishing some kind of um, de facto feudalism. What do I mean by like that? By that? We, we need to get our own thing going. You know, shout out to those of Jewish descent, those Asian descent, and I'm talking about Americans now. I, I think they are better are, are just immigrants in general. I think there's uh, they have a better go at it of, of having their own infrastructure. They do business with them with amongst themselves, and I think you you know it's still going to be bad for us. In quotes, but at least you can stave off some of the pain by having your own thing. But African Americans, I, I think by and large, many of us, especially our leadership, we're so caught up with what the government does. We, we, are, we are so subject to the government that when the government comes down with a tax plan that's going to be very harmful to you, you don't have a choice. You just kind of accept it. And I think some people are able to find, kind of find, find a way to get out of that or find a way to uh, uh, less of an issue. But when you hear, uh, and I'm on the, on the internet and I'm listening to all kinds of folks speaking, educators and our leaders, black leadership, it's the same black leadership where everyone is still kind of on the same thing about this is happening to us and we, and we, we, we groan and we gripe. I mean, how long are we going to, how long are black folks, I'm saying black Americans specifically, how long are you, are you going to be comfortable in being a victim when you just kind of accept this stuff without having some alternative outlet? And that's what I mean by kind of um, a type of feudalism, like where we ha- you kind of have your own thing. The internet works this way. I think we need, there's got to be a way to, to, to make what we do naturally on the internet, and I think that's happening to a lot of people. The internet, everyone has their own thing going on on the internet. Why can't we have that same kind of that same kind of planning for what's going on in real life instead of just sitting around and just, just kind of accepting our fate because Donald Trump – because if it's not Donald Trump, it's going to be somebody else. Anyway, let me go to this clip. 
and then we'll unpack, and then we're going we're to have to talk about how uh, uh, President Trump has <laughs> – I mean, I always thought that uh, Jerusalem was the capital of Israel anyway, but when Trump makes the announcement, he means it seriously. He's got a different plan for Jerusalem. So anyway, this might be the beginning of World War III, folks. Not that you didn't know that. Anyway, this is um, Bloomberg, a Bloomberg editor discussing the GOP tax plan, and then we'll, we'll unpack. Well, feel free to call in. The call-in number is 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. Hold on. The Senate expects to begin voting this morning on amendments to its sweeping tax reform bill. A new congressional report finds the Republican plan would add $1 trillion to the budget deficit. That news led to a standoff on the Senate floor yesterday. A key part of the plan is cutting the corporate tax rate from 35% to 20%. Supporters say that would create substantial economic and job growth, but not everybody buys that argument. Bloomberg Business Week editor Megan Murphy is with us with more on this. Megan, I, I was only half kidding when I said a lot of screaming going on. <laughs> on, well, on when you get on your math a trillion floor. dollars wrong, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. going to lead to some consternation. And many Republicans floor. are saying ignore that report, ignore that report. The math is wrong. But this was a bill that was expected to be deficit neutral, supposed to help the middle class. Who does this really help the most? There's no question that this bill in its present form in both the Senate and the House is a massive transfer to the wealthy. You can look through any of its provisions in terms of taking the corporate rate down, in terms of taking the individual rate down, and pass the rate down. We could go on and on. The problem they face now is on two fronts. One is on a practical level, as we've discussed. Their own projections, independent projections, show that it's not going to be able to pay for itself. In fact, it's a trillion dollars short over the next 10 years. And only taking GDP up projected 0.8% over the next 10 years. That's not nearly enough to pay for the bill. On a theoretical level, they face the problem that so many economists just don't believe that what we call trickle-down economics, that cutting the top rate of tax for corporations, for individuals, does enough to stimulate economic growth. And in fact, doesn't address the central conundrum in America, which is that wages just aren't rising mm. among middle class and working class families fast enough. So a major selling point for supporters of the plan is the reduction of that corporate tax rate. Also, CEOs from Pfizer and Coca-Cola say that they would pump those returns, those gains to shareholders. The economy is doing well. What can the economy stand to benefit from that? Well, this is the whole argument, is will companies use that money that they're getting back to pump into investment and, and keep expand job growth, invest in companies, invest in manufacturing? But the problem is the evidence shows that that actually doesn't happen. What it shows is that we see debt paid down, mm -hmm. share buybacks, and we should mention more money going to line top executive pockets in the terms of more incentives. In fact, what we've seen over the last several decades, not just in America but in other countries, is it's boosting the lowest people on the rungs of society that actually stimulate faster economic growth. This bill, if you make under $30,000, you're actually going to be paying more in taxes. Hmm. So the people who earn the least in this country are going to be paying more. The people who make the most are going to be paying a lot yes. less. So if it passes the way they expected to, the Republicans today, is this really the victory that they are predicting it will be? You know, Republicans feel like they need to get this done. They don't have a lot of legislative accomplishments to show, as we know. The problem is this risk being a real albatross for them. It is deeply unpopular, and it doesn't fit into the dynamic that we face.
face now in terms of populism. People are feeling left out of this recovery. They're feeling like their wages aren't increasing fast enough and that their opportunity is decreasing. I'm not sure this bill addresses those central questions. I think there's a big risk that Republicans look back on this and think they really had a misstep, if indeed it does pass. So you could win the battle and lose the war, you're saying? That's for sure, yeah. and I think Obama knows exactly how that happened with, with his own health care plan. Exactly right. right. Megan Murphy, good to see you. Thank you, guys. All right, we're back. Again, we're talking about briefly about the recent passage of the GOP tax plan. And, uh, you know, I have said when someone when I believe when I when I have said that I am a registered Republican, as this is very true. I'm a conservative and I'm a fiscal conservative. And uh, I'm, I consider myself more moderate. I'm not a hard line, uh, certainly not a neocon, certainly not a religious or a religious uh, uh, right person. Uh, there, there's a there's a variety of folks of varied political bents where you know once you hear someone as a Republican they just think of you in one way. Just like uh, being a Democrat, you have conservative Democrats, blue dog Democrats. I might be slightly to the right of a blue dog Democrat if one were to really get into it, and I'm pretty sure that uh, I, and I've been called this a rhino, a Republican in name only. So. Uh, I, I have problems with this with this this tax plan. I have problems with Donald Trump, President Trump. I don't perceive him to be. The reality is, I don't really perceive him to, for him to be a Republican. He's he's got this faux populism thing going on, and as I said at the top of the show, it's frightening that he he's been able to access so much power with some criticism, but it doesn't seem to be deterring deterring him from anything. When when President Obama was critiqued. You saw, or at least I felt that you, that he was being checked. That it, it really was a deterrence from him, really, from from being able to do what he wanted to do. And I think I was kind of off track for a minute, but being that he was aware of the historical implications of being the first black president, and I've said this before, with, with so many black folks to have this belief that President Barack Obama. That he could just wave his wave his hand like a magic wand, and that he could just do what he do what he wanted to do. Being the first black president, being the first anything, has its problems. He Robinson, I've used this as, as an analogy, was the first baseball player to break the color line in in professional baseball. But what he had to go through, now he didn't have the, the he didn't have the access to power. That these multi-million-dollar athletes have seventy years later, but it had it had to start with him. But for black folks to believe, and I'm, you know, minorities in general, black folks specifically, to believe that he had this, he was this panacea, and he could do what he he should be able to do what he wanted to do. He had to set it up where at least after his two terms, there might be the consideration. Of another black person, of a, of a minority, but another black person specifically, having a shot at being president, the next go around. That's just the way things are. It's a long play. Clearly, you know, with Donald Trump, I mean, this is this is kind of this is the reality that we're in right now. And I think black folks, I'm, I'm speaking more pragma, pragmatic, pragmatically. Excuse me, black folks are going to have to figure out a way because we've, we've gone through worse. We went through a period of reconstruction that was very empowering for black folks 
during the post-bellum period of, of this country, and then it was taken away in less than, than a decade. And then Jim Crow came in. So if, if, if black folks are able to handle that and figure a way to survive during those periods, then a tax plan is survivable. Do you have any thoughts about – I mean, I'm pretty sure you've heard. I mean, this has been something that, you know, everyone has been tweeting me about this thing, and it, it, it's frightened. What are we going to do? You know, clearly it, it, it seems like it's a, it's a transfer of wealth from the bottom to the top. What are your, what are your, real, what are your real thoughts about this? Okay, let me, let me start off by, by taking it into my forte. One of my favorite anime of all time is Full Metal Alchemist. Okay, and there's there's an episode where the Elric brothers go into a mining town that's being stripped by the the the, the uh, general slash soldier in charge, and and Edward Elric has a line that says, "Be thou for the people." That's what we're supposed to be about. How is this helping the people? Okay, now I could transfer this to the government right now. We have a leader in charge that doesn't know that, hey, the Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico, they are part of us. They get hurt. We're supposed to help them. All right. You don't know they are part of us. All right. We got a government right now, uh, Republican majority. And this is where Debert, these guys in charge, it rolls down to you and every other conservative that wants to do the right thing in their eyes, okay? But because these guys are in charge and these women are in charge, it falls back upon every Republican. What am I talking about? You are for the people, like you claim, okay? And your tax plan is so righteous, how do you, A, lock the Democrats out of the room, and B, present them with a copy of the, t- the entire tax plan, something like, I, I think John Hutton got the, it's something like 100 to 500 pages of a tax plan, five minutes before the damn vote. Really? That seems up and up. That's enough time to look through the tax plan and see everything's up and up. There's nothing shady about that whatsoever, is there? You know, and we say Trump, but this is obvious. They want to keep him in office for as long as possible because they're going to be doing all of this shady underneath him. So uh, while everybody focused on that, we'll do all of this over here. I haven't even touched on the net neutrality bullshit, all right? I haven't touched on... On 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 the the what what's happening to our, our Native American brothers and sisters and their lands and what they're trying to do there, systematically. The head or the top, like I said, it's not all Republicans. Don't get me wrong here, because Republicans, Democrats, they're glorified street gangs. Let's call it what it is. All right. You got to be a Republican. You got to be a Democrat. There's slime on both sides, people. But right now, the Republicans are in control, so I can aim this at the Republicans. I know people had had misgivings about Obama in office. Okay, 
all right, for all of these different reasons. But let's face facts, okay? What something with Deepert says is true. Obama didn't do one twentieth of the things that this this moron and his cronies have done in office. Okay, should I remind you about Russia? No, no, no. Don't worry about that now. Focus on him attacking the NFL. Should I remind you about the the skirting of authority and public figures? No, 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 don't worry about that now. Focus on uh, Comey and the disgrace uh, FBI thing. Should I remind you about this tax plan? No, 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 no. Remember, it's Hillary's fault. All of this distraction, all of this faint, and, and, and folks, you can't see me right now, but if you saw the new A-Team with Bradley Cooper, with the end scene when he's describing his plan and everything is happening around it, that's, that's how I imagine the Republican meeting is going. They're all going to pay attention to Trump. And we're going to run this end game on this side, this end game on this side. We get the tax breaks. Look at that. We're going to we're going to monkey around with Israel a little bit. We're going to we're going to raise spending on weapons here. We're going to decrease spending on public schools here. And the public are all going to be focused on what Trump's doing. This is real, folks. Okay. This is why I said way back when on the regular grindhouse slash comic shop, what I've said for 846 episodes, I've been a part of, oh, shall we say, at least 600 episodes by now. No, 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 500. We'll, we'll, we'll do, I'll, I'll go good 500 I've been a part of here. I've always said use your own mind. You can hear everything the talking heads uh, tell you but you have to do your own research as into what's actually going on, okay? There is no absolute black and white right and wrong here. But right now, if you are not learning about these subjects for yourself, not looking at both sides, and I hate using the term both sides because these ass bastardized the, the term, doing yourself any service and you're not you're just part of the problem I could get emotional about it but what have I said here is in fact I just gave you the examples if you look into them and I haven't even touched on the the rampant sexual deviancy and, and the pedophilia and all of that okay just keep this in mind one twentieth of all of this BS Obama uh, hadn't done in office, and every month we had to deal with. Well, we got to get him out. We got to get. He isn't a, a real, true American. We can't have him as the leader. Meanwhile, was he embarrassing us on the international forum, like we see done by this dude? You know, some folks, you got to wake up and start learning for yourselves. But then again, hey, they don't want to wake up and learn for themselves. They got exactly what they wanted, a figurehead that this reality TV-obsessed generation is mesmerized by so much that they could cheat 
and do all the sneaky shit around the back door. Pardon the language. Back to you, Debert. Yeah, you know, uh, again, uh, I, I try to really – and I'm not disagreeing with anything you really said, Daryl. And I, I guess my feelings – and, and I'm, I'm already kind of – and I've said this before so many times. I, I'm, I'm somewhat beyond this in the sense that – I mean, listen, all of us can be sent, certainly affected by what happens by the government. But I think we need – I'm t- talking about culturally, racially – because black folks are, you know, are the ones that are going to be hit, black, brown folks, uh, poor people, um, minorities. We, we see there is a – the overuse of the word zeitgeist, but there's a zeitgeist right now where everyone feels like they're kind of under the gun. They're under the, the heel of a type of totalitarianism, a type in the United States based on – how President Trump, the latitude that he's been given, and uh, as you said, this is a majority Republican House and Senate. So the regime, the regime is the regime, and even with um, the Alabama race and how we're supposed to overlook. That while running for the Senate seat, but the though the the, the Alabama Alabaman residents feel that it's more harmful to have a Democrat in that seat than it is to have someone who who prays or, or, or who has preyed on young women. So, I mean, these these are the times we are in. And I just feel that you can't be a victim. You've got to figure out a way to garner agency. Agency is, is my operative. I'm obsessed with the term agency because I hear so many people on, on like-minded podcasts that when they, they just kind of go on and on and on, drone, drone on and on and on about the political climate. And I, and I agree with Daryl. You should educate yourselves. You should get involved in local government. That's what really—that's what it really boils down to. It's what's happening locally that folks are not involved, and they cry when things don't go their way because, well, they're, they're not—they're not contributing in local politics. It's more about, you know, the, the, the federal politics, you know, state politics, local politics. It's, it's really where it's at. But we're somewhat disinterested. Many of us. The voters are somewhat disinterested, and you you can't complain when you're not involved, and you don't you don't seek agency, you don't seek personal autonomy. Some of these other again, some of the immigrant groups, some of the other ethnicities. Uh, the again, going back to something that that has been put out there about um, not all Asian folks. We have you know we we certainly have. Um, Asian people, uh, even locally, that are certainly um, progress, you know, that are certainly involved in politics, but um, there is a perception that they are somewhat apolitical. A perception that that works because they're more grounded in education, in business, 
Um, I mean, it, so when, no matter what happens, you still kind of have blinders on for success because I think at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to seek advancement through politics the way you can with opening up businesses, uh, doing businesses with your people. I mean, Risa, this is something kind of just a an anecdotal thing, but it affected me. Um, the Oracle, and we'll move forward, the Oracle, the tangential producer of, of this program, my father, you know, uh, at his residence, there was a recent accident uh, where a vehicle struck, went into the yard, and, uh, and I, I know about insurance and, and the corporate insurance sector. That's my thing. So I was able to kind of get things straightened out and, and how to actually deal with his insurance and get the information and so forth. But uh, as far as the repair of the property, uh, we went through a, 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 an acquaintance, a business friendship, you could say, of a person of Indian descent. And this gentleman, there was a, more work, and he, was, he matter-of-factly went to when – one, when he did one thing, when there was another thing that had to be done for, for the property, he went to, and again, rather matter-of-factly, to another person of Indian descent. And when it comes to black people, especially black Americans, this has nothing to do with the GOP tax plan. We're not circulating, the, we're not circulating our money the same way as the, uh, a person of Jewish descent. In this case, is a person, a man of Indian descent. And, and that tribalism can offset some of this effort. And again, I'm not making excuses for what's going down. But what I am saying is we've got to get into a survival mode. And I think that we had that at some point, whether it was – unfortunately, it was during segregation, it was during Jim Crow, but we had, we had much better survivor skills going back more than a half a century than where we are right now. It was something to behold. Well, even, in, even, in, even in – and I'll let you say something quickly, Daryl, but even uh, in, in, in the insurance sector, I see folks of Jewish descent – that make no bones about going to going through different tiers, different levels of other folks of the tribe. I am in a position to see the dollars bluntly, unabashedly, no shame, being recirculated in my face. I've seen that on the Jewish tip, and more recently I saw it on the the Indian tip, and yet. When it comes to black folks, black Americans specifically, there, there, there seems to be this reticence. We're not as easy, we're not as as comfortable in being able to circulate that money. And if we can, if we can't even do that, it can't always be about being upset because this president decided to transfer funds between his wealthy cronies. I, you know. And then, and then, even during the Obama administration, you know, it, 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 the Supreme Court ordained that corporations can be considered people. The personalization of the corporate structure. So that was going on even during the Obama administration. So this, there's been kind of a, a progression in this direction. Daryl, and then we'll go to uh, well, one more well, thing. I'll- I'll end it off with this. I said before, I began with it, I'll end it. Be down for the people. People, 
I tell you, be down for the community. Whatever, yes. whatever your community is, whatever your neighborhood is, whatever your city is, you can't affect this idiot in charge. Be there to help your community. You have to be there to help your family. You have to be there to help you before you can change anything else. Start small, think big. Be down for the community. Back to you, Debert. Yeah, you know, because when I go back to like the 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 fifties, even the sixties and seventies, really. But if you go back to let's say that the fifties going back, I mean, again, and uh, among Trump people, they will tell you that's when America was great. <laughs> okay, it just so happens to coincide with uh, segregation, but that's when America was great. But uh, as, as problematic as it was for, for people of color, black people specifically, there was a greater sense of community because we had no choice. The, the, the drug dealer, the doctor, the plumber, teacher, the minister all lived in the same neighborhood. It, it, it was something about that. Now, you know, you, you have these, these highly concentrated folks where there's no sense of tier level, there's no way that uh, a, a young person in a depressed community can actually connect to the doctor, the black doctor that lived around the corner from him. I mean, even, even I am old enough to experience black professionals in my purview, but as years has gone on, you don't really see that anymore. Professionals live with black professionals, or they live with white professionals. But that mix, even though even though it, it, it was because of segregation, there there was some there was a positive connected to it. And again, the dollar was re, was being recirculated in black communities. And there's nothing to stop that. And I see our friend John on the West Coast. And also, I'm listen. I'm all, I'm for inter, intersectional connections. I think that uh, all ethnicities. Can contribute to 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 the black economy, because uh, because right now we we go one way, <laughs> it goes from us to you, and rarely from you to us, and we we, we need to kind of figure out whether it's it's got to be a little bit of tribalism. I'm talking about black people specifically, Daryl. A little bit of tribalism, but there's also got to be because we don't practice this at Afro There's also got to be a way for people to connect beyond the tribalism, also. But right now. Black folks are going to figure out a way to go into into the, a survival mode that we had as a second skin these seventy years ago. That's one all. step That's at all. a time. You one know? step at a time. We 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 see it in, uh, on uh, on our other other uh, interests where we've gotten together and we've started to take steps. Okay, but this the serious one now. So this is where we just have to. We have to a keep the lines of communication open. B, you know, you, you got to do right for yourselves and your brothers and sisters, all right. And C, whatever the petty squabbles is, whatever. The, the, listen, put those aside for the moment, and just focus on how you can help rebuild your communities, rebuild your infrastructure. Sorry, stealing your term, and and put yourself in a position where. When these idiots start making power moves like you don't matter, see Alabama, 
we can rise up and say, yes, we do matter. Enough said. Let's move yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to play this clip, uh, like a second on it, because it's more Trump effery that I, I just don't have a stomach for. <laughs> you know, Trump, uh, he, he, he said this, I think, during, the, during his campaign, that he had uh, – he believes that the U.S. embassy should be moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And I think today he has, he's gone out there saying that, well, I mean, we know Jerusalem is the cop capital of, of uh, Israel, but um, w- with this, pr- this purported move, it's creating havoc where the Palestinians – I mean, we're already talking about the Middle East – we can go into the history of Israel, the League, the League of Nations, the creation of Israel in 1948, the League of Nations tra- uh, transforming into the United, United Nations, uh, the, 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 the numerous wars between Israel and Egypt, the Palestinians, the conflicts. Um, I mean, it, 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 this right here is – Trump is dangerous for the ecosystem, the political ecosystem. I mean – we, we know what's going on with, with North Korea. Now we have this thing. Uh, I mean, it's, 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 again, the latitude that Donald Trump has to, do, to be John Wayne that President Obama was not given, it's, it is so stark. Anyway, hold on. This is a historic day. Jerusalem has been the capital of the Jewish people for 3,000 years. So it's rare to be able to speak of new and genuine milestones in the glorious history of this city. Yet today's pronouncement by President Trump is such an occasion. We're profoundly grateful for the President for his courageous and just decision to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and to prepare for the opening of the U.S. Embassy here. I call on all countries that seek peace to join the United States in recognizing Jerusalem as Israel's capital, and to move their embassies here. Israel will always ensure freedom of worship for Jews, Christians, and Muslims alike. President Trump, thank you for today's historic decision to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. The Jewish people and the Jewish state will be forever grateful. Yeah, folks, that was NBC News viewers. Thanks for checking out. All right. That was Bibi Netanyahu. That was uh, the the Israeli prime minister. And we know him to be quite conservative. And actually, uh, there was a hullabaloo. If you remember when uh, when he spoke to instead of when he visited, visited um, the United States and he bypassed meeting President Obama and went straight to Congress. That was a straight diss. So there was always – because President Obama was a little bit more conciliatory towards the Palestinian struggle, truth be told, than, the, than, than Israelis, and that didn't fly, fly well. So now this is payback time, and um, I mean this is rather this, – this, this is disturbing because, again, we're talking about somebody who does not have really the, the skill set – talking about President uh, Trump, the knowledge or skill, skill set. Like you said, uh, he's not even aware of of the 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 status of Puerto Rico as as a part of the United States as a Commonwealth. 
the Virgin Islands. I mean, you know, you, you tell someone who's awkward on the world stage. This is this is Archie Bunker, who was able to ascend to the presidency, clearly. And this is this is yeah. very deleterious, very deleterious to the political ecosystem. And, and this is what I, I said at the top of the show. I never thought that that the presidency could be. I don't. I don't know if this is all bells and whistles. I don't know what this is, but there's just a certain way that I thought that okay, you can kind of show your bluster, you know, but actually doing stuff that that could really send us into a war. And this is you know, this isn't like this is this is this is not this is this is beyond World War II. War now is a whole different ball of wax. It's annihilation. And uh, and and on top of that, folks, do some some looking into the tax bill and stuff like that. And also notice that some of these Republicans. You remember when the Republicans were so hot about the Benghazi thing? You know, a part of this tax bill cuts our security at international embassies by fifty percent. That's a part of move. Our embassy out of Tel Aviv into Jerusalem, you know, and and with all the conflicts that are happening over there, and just to hear this dude talk about religious freedoms and all of that, Please. you know, I have friends that are Palestinian. Yeah. Okay. Good luck with that one. That's beautiful. Back to you, Debert. Listen, I'll say just one quick thing. Um, I almost thought that Trump. Was going to was going to practice a, a form of isolationism, which actually was something that that um, that that America did during the early portion of the 20th century. This is not iso- this is not isolationism. In other words, this the Middle East. I think the, uh, the the least involvement that Americans have in Middle Eastern conflicts, the better. But this is not isolationism. He I think he gave us the impression he was going to go in that direction. More of a libertarian um, standpoint, but this is far from isolationism. This is this is interjection. No, he's taking a side. He's taking a side here, and or he has said that America is going to take this side. That's beautiful. That's lovely. He just painted another target on our heads. I mean, Trump. Trump. One has likened Trump, and then we'll move along to more pop culture thing. But one is liking Trump to a used car salesman. And there's, there's always been this belief that someone who has, and in quotes, because I don't think even Trump even, this really applies to Trump because we know him not to really be an authentic business person. His business practices are very dubious. But uh, there's, there was always this longstanding belief that, well, if we could only get a business person in the government space, in the public sector, for the private to the public sector, maybe we, we would see something different. This is what happens when you have a quasi-business. I can't, even, I can't even – actually, this is disrespectful to business people because I think that Bloomberg would have made a better, better president because Bloomberg was a is a well-educated statesman. I mean at this point now, he's actually held at a, a political office. But for someone who had – all that we could say is that Donald Trump was, was wealthy. And even then, his wealth is speculative. We don't even know what his wealth is about. It's all, it's all shady. 
So to have someone who, you know, doesn't really have the skill set, and 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 again, I, I, I don't say this to brag or anything. It's not about being bragging. I'm just give you my uh, my my bona fides. I have a, a BA in political science and pre law, and an MA in government politics with a certificate in government. I mean, a certificate in public administration. Now, what I the reason why I put that stuff out there is because normally someone who is pursuing a vocation in government has some of what I just put out there as far as um, education. But you need to have some kind of legal background, some kind of um, policy background, some um, uh, government education. This guy doesn't have any of those. Matter of fact, we, he says he went to um, uh, the Wharton Business School, and even that has been debunked. He has a BA, allegedly. I think maybe a BA in economics from the University of Pennsylvania, but he throws out this Wharton Business School because that's, you know, to have an MBA from Wharton Business School is very uh, prestigious. He doesn't even have that. So uh, we're finding out now, not that we didn't know that, but if you're going to be in the government sphere, it is a discipline. Governing is a discipline. It's no joke. You don't want someone who was a plumber being uh, promoted to being a surgeon. And this is what's happening now. And many of his cronies have no government experience. Anyway, we have a caller, and then we're going to go into uh, pop culture stuff. One of the DMV crew. I think this is uh, – is this Bison? No, Black, Black Ronin. Ronin. How you guys? Black Ronin. Oh, man. <laughs> What's up, man? My fellow Hamptonian. That's right, man. In the house. Um, just listening to the show. Just listening to the show. Hey, 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 Daryl, how you doing, man? Howdy, howdy. <laughs> um, yeah, just listening. To what you said. I mean, I, I grew up in New York. I grew up in the Bronx. Um, so I mean, I've known we we've known us as New Yorkers have known about in the deep, in the in, the, in the, that in the New York tri-state area. We've known about um, forty-five for a long time. I mean, nothing he's done is surprised, just as surprise anybody. Um, I'm just more shocked at people who actually agree with him. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> That's all you can kind of say. Um, I think uh, the man's a known liar. I mean, he's a known liar. <laughs> um, fabricator, fibber, charlatan, scam artist, um, you name it, he's pretty much done it <laughs> at this point. And, and it's, it's just sad. I mean, it's just really, really sad. And all, all you could do, as, as, you, and, and, as, as you guys were talking, I mean, you're right. I mean, all you could do is, but Daryl, to educate yourself. And as you say, uh, Debert, you know, you know, you know, do what you need to do, you know. I mean, I know, I know not because of Trump, but just because of my own, my own self-improvement process and everything. You know, I've gotten – when I got some new certifications, you know, computer certifications. Yes, um, exactly. You know, I'm, I'm trying, to, you know, trying to trying to start a new side. Well, right now to be a side hustle, as Bison would say. Right now it's a side hustle. But I'm trying to get it to a, a business level, you know. Um, I'm checking out cryptocurrency. You know, I'm trying to find out what the what the newest trends is. So I can get ahead of the game. I mean, I mean, yeah, I I was you know pretty much I guess I pretty much really oh I was in college when the internet hit, you know. Um, and I, and, I, and I did miss out on certain opportunities working with friends and stuff in order to really take advantage and get in there early to get certain things. But I'm looking at cryptocurrency now. I'm like, hey, 
I might just get my feet in there, you know, not seeing it as some people are trying to treat it as a, as a get-rich-quick scheme, but like as a long-term, long-term investment. I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot going on. It's a, it's a big deal, and, it's, and it's, it's on the move. So, I mean, that's what people need to do. I mean, and, and, and more importantly, we've got to teach young people to do that. Um, yeah, so, I, I mean, mean there's, let's, there's, let's, there's things that we're taking for granted that other, other yeah. people do. Without like like drinking water. I mean, I, I I'm I'm in my face. I'm seeing other groups, other tribes, in quotes, that do things in a very matter of fact fashion, black, that we just don't do. And that would Absolutely. at least it, it would stave off some of this pressure. But when it's, when you hear like the Yvette Carnells and the, and uh, the Antonio Moores, and I'm talking about folks on the YouTube that are, that are garnering attention. I I, I, listen, yeah, I know. Listen, I love those cats. I love her. I love what they do. I mean, you know, they they they, they have. I can't um, disrespect their knowledge base, but there's there's they're so there's so much about being ideologues, and so much about the government, the government, the government. I mean, yeah, you could be you could be right in that position. You could be right, or you could be righteous. Right now, these people are not listening to you. They don't give a damn about black people or people of color. They are moving in for the kill. And right now, especially if you work for the corporate plantation that many of us do, you know, you start to realize that, wow, you know, if they really wanted to, they could really wreck your life. And I think it's going to, it's going to, we're going to have to realize that uh, we may be going through a neo-segregationist period. Not that we haven't always been, you know, uh, socially, socially segregated. But now we're, we're going through this period where people really want to go back to 1950. There's a, a set of folks that really will tell you to your face they don't like you. They never liked you, but now they feel, they feel more comfortable. And one thing we could learn about the Internet is the Internet, the Internet does practice a type of de facto feudalism. In other words, uh, you know, there's Afro nerd, there's, there's black girl nerds, there's, uh, there's podcast Jews. Now, if everybody was able to monetize these 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 um, fiefdoms, we wouldn't yeah, be having this stock conversation. You know what I mean? That's well, what it really boils well, down to. Well, 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 well. One thing, I mean, I, I, I agree. I mean, I agree greatly. I mean, I, I've seen it too. I mean, I have friends of other um, ethnicities, um, ethnicities and stuff. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I've seen it yeah. all the time, up close and in person. You know. Um, but but I think the one thing I think the key and cause me and my sister was talking about this as well, and I mean you guys talk about it all the time. But I know you got, I know you I know you like you like to duck with the millennials a lot. <laughs> and my, my rough, issue man. is, but my issue is you gotta look at the tree. And let's yeah. face it, baby boomers and even our generation, Generation X, have failed them because there's no way that we can have passed on the knowledge and the history. Because you just don't know. One of the things I've taken on to myself to do, especially with my nieces and nephews and stuff, and, and friends of ours' children, is that I'm really going to talk more, more, more about them, about black history in general and African history as well, you know, just in general. Let them listen. The world is a lot bigger than what you think. And, yeah, the, the Internet's big, but there's also a lot of false information out there. So I'm, I'm buying, like, you know, urban intellectuals are selling these black history cars now. They got volume one and two. I mean, I got them for my niece and nephews. I got them for my for friends of mine, kids, to, to, to teach them because they're not learning in the school. And I mean, that's, that's the reality. Like you said, a kid depend on the government. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, you you can't even because even schools aren't teaching what you need to teach either. I mean, 
you know. So I mean, and, and, and they never liked her. I mean, that's just that's a this is a reality. I mean, it, it, it was, and I think some of us had this illusion that there was this period. I want to say between the 1970s and the 1990s, where there was some level of great harmony, where oh, because a couple of celebrities made money and got accepted, or they liked our music, or they liked our fashion, or whatever it is, that somehow they actually liked us. And, and we got to get out of that mentality. We got to know this has been this has been warfare for over about five thousand, six thousand years. And the first time, you know, the Greeks entered into Egypt, this this war has been going on, and it's it happening on all levels. Let me go to one. Let me go to your DMV. I'm gonna keep you on as well. Uh, your I believe, I believe this is Bison, <laughs> same area code. Bison, what's up, man? Welcome to the midweek. I, hey, everybody. I guess I'm a glutton for punishment. I'm gonna deal with a room full of New Yorkers and some Hamptonians. So, um, <laughs> I have there to we deal go. with it. I deal with it. Hey, before I go into my diatribe, hey, Dar, how you doing, man? Doing fine, man. I see your your Giants are having a um, had a clearance sale the other day. <laughs> well, my dad's feeling the pain of that. As a Jet fan, I'm just glad I got five wins this year. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, Debert, as usual, you're on point. Um, but, like, what do I always say? Nothing's new. Um, exactly. I guess I'm a little older than everyone here. Um, I remember when Reagan came in. Um, I was um, probably a, a, a younger teenager then, and people were saying the same thing. Um, you know, do this and do that and do this. But I'm going to say something. The black community has overcome a lot worse than what, who's in the White House now. And we're going to be here after he's long gone. But does that mean we just, is it business as usual? No. But one thing that's, that's, that's painfully obvious right now is a couple of things. One, <clears throat> collectively as a whole, our economic condition is really, really, really dire for large swaths of our community. And we can we can point to a lot of reasons. Um, tone, um, excuse me, Tone Talks and Yvette Carnell, I listen to them. They make some good points, but um, it's just so doom and gloom without any, you know, with, and it's sort of naive in thinking that the government's going to be your savior and they're going to turn around and just find Jesus and say, come on, black people, oh, really? here's all we owe you. It ain't going to happen. Never. It's never going to happen. I mean, they can't even apologize. They ain't going to apologize for slavery. So how do you think they're going to oh, do yeah, a, a, a Marshall plan for a black America? It's not going to happen. No. But I do see one thing that I think is really telling, even from our generation, your generation was a little behind mine, the educational system for poor people, brown people, black people has deteriorated to such a point. I think that's, that's almost at the point almost beyond saving right now. Because what's coming, I mean, I'm looking at the results of these. Like, we came up, civics was part of our curriculum. Yeah. You know, we knew yeah. how the government works, local government yeah. works. We stood up and said the Pledge of Allegiance, what have you. We can argue about that. But we knew what voting meant. We knew who our senators were. We knew um, mm-hmm. how a bill was passed. We knew all of that. Yeah. These kids coming out now don't know anything. Nothing. And I try to engage them in the barbershop and in my travels, and they say they think voting doesn't, you know, doesn't do anything. Oh, and this is why you get I this anemic that. turnout for votes. This is why, you, and then you get 
the puffies who are, you know, I know where you went to school and people like that, you know, some people telling people not to vote and your vote doesn't count. And one last thing I think was a detriment in our community, which you brought up a couple of shows ago, which is very true, that celebrity has, I mean, we have mistaken celebrity for leadership in our community. That's asinine. You don't hear people, okay, let's go to Bruce Springsteen and hear about um, policy for, you know, American foreign <laughs> policy. Or you don't hear oh, Tory Amos talking about um, yeah, um, they never do that. Um, how to get, Public you know, um, Parenthood or, you know, you don't see people going to Demi Lovato talking about, um, you know, uh, police protection in the white community. You don't see that. But every so-called black celebrity supposed to, A, you know, know about all the nuances of the black political thought, and B, people are dumb enough to follow these clowns. And then we Bice, wonder why to, we're in the condition we're in. Bice, I, I got to tell you something. I, 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 had to, I had to actually think about how, how I was uh, raised and what I saw when I was a kid. And there's a lot of things I saw uh, that I took, I, I took for granted then that I, have to see, that I have to say honestly had a lot to do with why uh, maybe all of us may think differently. I, I actually remember, and maybe even Daryl can even attest to this, I can remember a time where at least, at least let's say 65, 70, 75% of the, uh, the homes in Queens, like the black households in, in Queens where we are, uh, they were they were uh, uh, like almost everybody had a black father at the house, or a father I should say to be more specific. There was there was uh, I remember most of my friends. I went through like a, a, a rolodex in my head of who I grew up with. There was like maybe a few cats that that did not have their father, but even then, even that guy was kind of in the in the picture though. He wasn't like they knew who the father was. He stopped by. He might have had a another family that was going on back then. But I, but most of my peers had their fathers. I think I think about that, and and, and how what Denzel came out with this, and you know that that uh, Carnell had a problem when he talked about when he spoke the truth, when when he even expounded on it and said that well, listen, the system is rigged. We know the system is rigged, but we can avoid some of these pitfalls by making sure these fa- these fathers stay in the house, or at least stay in the lives of these children. I mean, it's just certain things. Even with, if you go, because you know, listen, all of us were 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 born uh, post the civil rights period. So our parents would tell us what the civil rights period was all about, and segregation was really all about. I don't. I was never. I was never uh, around during segregation to see segregation like up close. I have to go to eBay to, 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 to I have to buy a a whites only sign. So. Uh, but e- but even during that period, when I, I had to sit. I thought about this today. Even during that period, black folks did have a rudimentary infrastructure, and that means everything. Even though even though you, you, there were some of us were getting strung up, and all kinds of horrors were going on. How do you explain that horror? But you did have a rudimentary. You had baseball teams, hockey, hockey, black hockey leagues. Uh, Black, uh, when I interviewed when I interviewed Maceo Parker a few years ago, his father owned owned the dry cleaners. That wasn't unusual back then. 
you know, black hospitals because you because you had no choice. So that you had a you did have a rudimentary. Now we don't know what to do. Well, like well, you know, it's it's we got to figure out how to to get that back. Because because we really don't have a choice at this point right now. We really don't have a choice. But deeper, deeper. But my question is to to everything you said um, is that well, what happened to it? Like what happened in the last thirty years? Say forty years since the nineteen seventy. What what happened? You know, look. These fathers didn't just just didn't just get all killed off. They didn't just you know some 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 of the left for whatever reason. You know, things things were happening. I mean, things influenced what happened is for these fathers not to be there. You know, whether it's the economy, the change from a, a manufacturing to a service-based economy, whether the Vietnam War, you know, drugs being pumped in the, in the black community. What, I mean, it, it, you know, there are factors for why this happened and, then, and why was it allowed to happen, you know? Well, listen, there, there, there's a video that, I, that you can go to YouTube. Um, I think it was a CBS story in 1986. Um, am I, am I, I think it was even uh, what's the guy that that they just got rid of, got rid of? Um, um, Matt Lauer? No, 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 Charlie Rose. No, Charlie Rose. Yes, I think Charlie yeah, Rose did an interview in '86, and uh, it talked about this phenomenon of teenage pregnancies, teenage mothers, and it was again '86. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it, it's, it's scary to hear it because to look at it because it's '86, hip hop just really in at the top in full swing. Just coming up, and these young girls, who are probably now fifty, but back then they were like fifteen, sixteen, or whatever. They were, they would, they just said they didn't need a father. They didn't need a father. I mean, you know, they didn't need to have a father for their children. I mean, you could see the whole setup to where we are now. But uh, the conservative answer, the black conservative answer to your question, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna say, well, all this stuff just, just so happened to coincide with the Great Society programs. Well, we know that, that side is. Well, it's, you know, I, know, think, I don't know about that. Well, listen, it's, it's you, also, you also had... No, I, no, I, you're right, you're right, you're right. Multiple facts. I mean, the Vietnam War. I mean, yeah, you had, but it's, you know, it's got to be there, man. You know, yeah. so we yeah, love is, John Conyers. The Oracle raised me on John Conyers, who's leaving us. John Conyers and, and Ron Dellums and that whole crew, those really classy black folks, Coleman, Coleman Young, but uh, we may have to deconstruct those gentlemen because these were these were uh, uh, democratically run inner cities that, at the end of the day, it didn't work out for for these people. But I remember a time when many of the fathers on my block were in the house. Now you go to Baltimore when you see the Baltimore uh, revolt, as they call it. Uh, it was it, it's like uh, Lord of the Flies. It's stark to see, just like no male energy, just young and two boys, right. boys and, and two generations. Right. Yes, and two generations. Yeah, yeah you're right. Because I remember you're right. I remember that too. I remember I was growing up. I also remember a lot of kids where their parents were getting divorced too in the '80s. I remember a lot of that as well. Um, not everybody, but there was a lot of that going on. Um, Listen, like you said, Andrew a, a was divorce. of course. A divorce is a step up. And, and, and it was drugs pumped in the community. I mean, we know the CIA was pumped in the drugs in the community. We know that part. Think about, so you mean, think about this. A, yeah, a, divorce is, a divorce is a step up. A divorce means at least, yes, the family is broken. But the father, you might have to visit him at his apartment. Or, you know, there's some, there's some connection to your dad. 
But now it, it should, you have you, you have the, the IG the IG crew. You see that the, the you know the, the mother is on a date after having a kid a couple of weeks ago. I've never even like he's, he's a, he he disappeared in a puff of smoke. He he's a sperm donor. That's the that's the yes. term for it. Sperm donor. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna you know, but multiple, multiple factors. But anyway. We we I wanna keep you guys on. We we um let's get into some pop culture stuff. We're gonna have to revisit this. Yeah. But I Sounds we fun. mentioned these things, we're dissecting it, we're talking about it because it's a little deeper <laughs> than the than the, the screwed up GOP tax plan. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cuz these people are going to do what they're going to do. <laughs> it can oh, it yeah. can't stop you. It can't stop you. You know, they were streaking up Dig Rose in 1940. Okay? But you still had uh Maceo Parker's father still had his cleaners he could go to to get his car, his his clothes cleaned though. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, you know, we got to make a decision. But to be fair, we're hearing some positive stories. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to talk about the uh, ten African American uh, road scholars. They got those those road scholar uh, those road scholarships. Um, uh, Blavity, which uh, our friend Sergio Mims is connected to, is he, that's another that's another um, feudal, feudal example. Um, oh, cool, our friend, cool. Our friend, our friend Sergio, we know him from Shadow and Act, and he yep. got away from IndieWire. See, these little things going on. He got away from IndieWire, hooked up with Blavity, right? Blavity's a black-owned company. Blavity has yeah. had a recent summit called Afrotech. Okay, so that's what we need to be. If we oh, were yeah. highlighting more of that versus how, uh, how high Cardi B's skirt was or, or the, the, the uh, paper magazine cover of Nicki Minaj, I, it was so crazy, and Bison probably knows me too well, I couldn't even comment on it when I first saw it. So I got caught up. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I'll admit it. He, he knows me. <laughs> he just said, said, can you, I couldn't even look, I couldn't even say anything. Because I had to get away from the, from, the, from the reptilian side of me. I said, oh my God. And then I had to think clearly. <laughs> it took me three days, being, you know, I'm very honest on the mic. It took me three or four Deep days breath. To have, because uh, I kept on looking at that image. I was like, "Oh man!" You know, I said, Deep "Let breath. me, let me, let me get it out of my system so I can actually give you a better Deep answer." Deep it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Let, let's. Um, I'm not even gonna play a jam or anything. Let's just continue because of a, a time constraints. Uh, Daryl, we're gonna go into she's gonna have it again, and then we're gonna go into Tarantino, Star Trek. We're gonna go into. Um, uh, into Milestone Media, which I actually loved what I saw. That that's another example. This thing's going on. We got yeah, to watch highlight it. Highlighted. Oh man, I'll send you. You know, I'll send you a link. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so first up, um, I spoke about she. Uh, she's got to have it. I think even Bison chimed in. Uh, to the listening audience, again, this is the this is the weekend review. Um, the captain. His sister passed, so we ha- we give him our condolences. Um, so he's going through it, but he'll, he'll be back on Sunday certainly. Um, so anyway, we we I, we did speak about she's got to have it, the TV streaming series on Netflix. And I have to admit, I was I I, I I'm a Spike Lee fan, but I, I'm a Spike Lee fan with a caveat. I, I he had a good run 
but then his movies just started to suck. Blood of Jesus, all that stuff, no. No. Okay? But he had a, he had a good run where I was going to the Cab Avenue. I was going to Spike's Joint. I was checking out his, uh, his um, 40 Acres of the Film Works, which is still there in Fort Greene. He, I give him a lot of props for um, revitalizing black cinema, that, uh, that new wave of black cinema. We, we, I went through the history of Spike Lee. And I'm, I'm very, I was very much into, after looking at a little bit of, it, of the series and, and having a touch of nostalgia, I was like, okay, this is, this is Spike Lee's second wind. Because he was faltering here and there. Commercials, bad TV, bad, bad uh, movies, excellent documentaries. This, this is him on the come up. So I was giving him some props before I actually got into the, the meat of the series. I got to around episode five this time. And I'm looking at this thing, and I think Bison was hinting at it. I'm looking at this, and I'm like, why is this thing annoying me? I'm looking at, I'm looking at, she's got to have it. I'm like, this is bothering the F out of me. I'm having a difficult, I'm, I'm having a difficult time looking at this thing. And I, I couldn't clarify it. And maybe when you say I dump on the millennials, maybe that's, maybe that's coming in. Maybe it's, it's good in the sense that he was really, he's really able to, 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 Update this thing for that demographic. Sometimes, sometimes things don't necessarily translate well. But I said, but I said wow, he, this is really the millennial version, really the millennial version of She's Gotta Have It. And when I saw someone on YouTube deconstruct it, he was going in, and I said, oh, that is what bothers me. Because I haven't seen She's, the, the She's Gotta Have It, the original uh, the original movie in quite some time, but when this gentleman deconstructed and went back to the original, I said, "Oh, wow!" And it almost goes back to our previous conversation, gentlemen, that I saw the black masculinity paradigm in the movie, and not so, not so much in this iteration, and it bothered me that all three of Noller Darling's lovers, although they were very different, they still maintained a, a kind of a the masculinity that I, I I have seen. Like in other words, she didn't necessarily she she ran the show, but she didn't really run the show. That they were only going to tolerate so much, and they said, "I'm out of here." You know, Greer said, "You know, peace peace be with you. I'm going to get me a white woman. Peace." It wasn't, you know, we can we can deconstruct how, you know, that's kind of crazy to say, but it, at least he was kind of like, okay, I'm not going to just keep on chasing you and chasing you, and I'm going to I'm going to affect my 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 self esteem. This crew, not that kind. Each one of them, these are kind of feminized black men. I gotta say it, mm. maybe not, maybe not so much for uh for for the Spike Lee role of for um what's the ah. What is it? The character's name, Mars. Maybe not so much for Mars Blackman, not so much for him. But there's a strain of of simpness in each of these gentlemen that I didn't see in the first in the in the movie, and it has something to do with the times. The first one was '86, so 
has anyone seen more of She's Got to Have It? Did you come across what I came came across? I just had a discomfort with it at some point. It's like, oh, this is not, this is not, this is not my She's Got to Have It, and maybe it's not meant to be. Well, uh, I've gotten through three, and just the amount, the volume of what I, I pay attention to has led me away from continuing it on. And okay. I've got another disturbing trend, all right? And this is going to catch me some heat, but I'll just put it out there. I love my my black woman. That is awesome, okay? Here we go. All right? But they cheer on these protagonists like conquering heroes with all their faults and everything and rag on their lovers or whatever that they're, they're up against, okay? And not once do they call their fellow black women out on the carpet for, shall we say, dubious behavior. Mm-hmm. If a black man does this, all right, and, 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 and we would cheer that on, we would be getting killed. I'm going to just <laughs> say it, Frank. I'm saying it frankly like that. Like, if, like one of the things, and I got into an argument with you and Sergio about it, when you guys keep on bringing up exploitation movies, and I often bring up, my problem with the black exploitation era is how the women look. Not not beauty and everything, but look at look uh, what's their story. Da, da, da. They were either hoes or trifling or yep. you know like you would for today's uh, climate you would have to build them up. All these dudes aren't bad. So if they all aren't bad and what the, the what some of these black women do to these dudes should also be called to the carpet too. Like, oh, child, you just did that to him. You know you ain't right for that. I've yet to see that happen. And social media, Bison knows. I literally my Twitter is on all the freaking time. So. So I, I'm able to see these scrollings whenever these shows come on, like Queen Sugar, like Insecure, like uh, when Atlanta was on. Now what she's got to have it. I've yet to see a majority of, uh, just go, oh, that was so wrong. You're not supposed to do that to your black man. You know, how is he able going to trust you? Girl, you know that move? That one was actually a good one. You may have really messed up here. You know, stuff that we'd be saying, uh, uh, what the guy's like, oh, man, dude, you really did that? that uh, and you would have a black woman come into your, your mentions going, why are you sticking up for him? Yeah, you're the enemy. And if you catch the drift of my argument, right? Yeah. Right? yeah. I'm, just speak, I'm just speaking frank. I'm, sp- I'm just giving it 100. I'm just telling you my true feelings here, okay? Because to me, it's an okay show. It is. Just like I, I could tolerate it like I could tolerate Insecure. Is, is it my generation? No, no, no. But I get that there's some universal points that I get. See the struggle that she's going through as she's trying to take o- over her life or take control. Like, be the, be the master of her own destiny, all right, which is the undercurrent to this. But also, if you're going to cheer the, the successes, you got to call out some of the failures, too. That's all I'm saying. Let, Back to you, Lucy, Bert. 
let me go to uh, our friend from Podcast Juice, Q Storm. I'm curious if he has my sentiments. I, I don't know. Sometimes he can go left. <laughs> what What are your thoughts, sir, about uh, well, you, she's got to have it? You know, I represent the left, of course, and yeah, I'm trying to get you to come over. I'm, I'm getting, trying to get that. you to denounce your horde. But anyway. Um, I, I, you sure, this is the first part of the show. I was denouncing all, all the way through to Trump. Anyway. Yeah, I, I, I didn't hear. I was at a gun shop ready to blow my brains out trying to talk about Trump. Any, that's another okay. story. All right. Um, oh, that's a nice sentiment. Yeah, uh, I saw the first episode, and I'm not gonna say it was bad. And I, I honestly didn't get the vibe you got, Deebert. Although the guy playing Greer, I think the actor probably is not of that persuasion. Uh, anyway, I didn't get the de- I didn't get the defeminiz- the feminization of black men on the show. But the thing that oh. kind of turned me off from the show. Is that it's like it's trying to pick up exactly where the 1980 movie, the 80s movie, left off, and I'm like, sure, no, I mean, no, nothing is perfect, but these battles with black women and, and being sexually empowered and whatnot, is that still a battle that needs to be had right now? And, and I don't know for sure, but it seems like the whole premise seems dated. Now I don't know if I'm speaking from a social standpoint or just from a uh, TV concept standpoint, but it just seems very dated. And it's why I would say Insecure is light years beyond that because after I watched the show, I tweeted out, I said, excuse me, my black women, I just want to know, between with this show and Insecure and all these other shows, is this the dynamic that represents all black women? Because it seems like it's what they're giving us show after show after show. And what I would say about Insecure, why I think it does far better, is that even though Issa is now trying to get on her hoe, she wants to be a hoe now, in quotes, the fact is you have to give it to the the writing that she is heartbroken over losing Lawrence. So she was in a monogamous relationship, and the fact that she's going around spreading her loins, if you will, and I think part of it's part of her, you know, acting out with from losing Lawrence. So, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, is this still the battle that black women are having that we should be able to sleep around as we see fit? Of course, they're able to, but is this a thing that still needs to be explored? It well, doesn't I, 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 I think you Can should I see more episodes. Yeah, definitely, Bison. And then I'll say my piece. Um, I saw the whole thing. And from what I've seen on social media, uh, two things. One, it wasn't universally loved by the black community. But I think it was a generation gap. I think Spike Lee wrote it. And some people think it's sort of a, how do I say this, an uh, old man trying to write young, trying to be young, and that came out in the writing. That's what I've read. I've heard that. Um, I could see that. I, like, I, could, I could see that. I I enjoyed it aesthetically and some other reasons. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, whatever you can say about Spike Lee, the cinematography is always going to be good. He had some very good scenes. He had some poignant things, um, yada, yada, yada. So I'm going to just say I enjoyed it. Now, Q Storm and, and Daryl have brought up some good points. But the one thing you guys are forgetting, Insecure was created, developed, and, um, and stars a black woman. She's got to have is it. It's a Spike Lee, it's a Spike Lee creation. 
So I think it's like we can tell when a non-black person is writing black material, at least some of the time. I'm not going to say all of the time. And maybe this came across with this. I mean, this is probably what some women think, how a black man thinks a black woman should react and interact and what have you. And some people are just saying because, well, a black male writer can be just as problematic as a white male writer. So that's where maybe some of the disconnect is coming from. I saw some of the things Beaver was talking about, but I think I'm looking for them. You know, I, I interact with some young people in organizations and stuff, and this is what a lot of young women are dealing with. And this is what's the dynamic in the three guys. You're either going to deal with a, uh, uh, somebody who wants to be a YouTube star who has no form of income, or you have a creative artistic type whose um, dreams are bigger than his financial reality, or, you know, you're going to be the side piece to a married man. I've had plenty of women tell me that that's their reality. So I look at that as that's how it's related in the show. Now, if I'm from the generation, you know, you know, you know, she's hoeing around, you know, you kind of stick and move and keep going, but you don't wipe that up. That's, that's my generation, but it is what it is. So that's all I have to say on that. Yeah, let, let, let me say a little bit about it, because I have to concur with what you were saying, Bison, is that I got caught up in, this, in the sense that, as I said before, I'm a uh, Spike Lee stan. I thought this was a, a, a great vehicle for him to kind of get back into the fold. I think, I think it's working to a large degree. I mean, um, I think uh, at least the Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a fairly high score, actually, I think in the 70s, if not 80s. I think either Metacritic is 77 or 87. One of them is 77, 87%. So the score is pretty high for the series. Um, as far as, as, as that complaint, you know, I heard that, well, it's a 40-year-old it's a man writing for, like, millennials, whatever. That might, be, that might be there. But I tell you this much, I see a lot of what the millennials allegedly do in, in, this, in this thing. In this piece, um, and I, I, I just thought that I saw kind of a, a feminine quality to the men that I, I didn't see in the original, and even and, and this, this, the whole. Um, I mean, listen, yeah, it, we can say it's a forty-year-old guy. Well, actually, Spike is older than that, so it's actually a compliment. Yeah, so if 60, if he, yeah, like sixty. <laughs> yeah, so if he's sixty, writing for, so he's actually writing younger than himself. I mean, in reality, yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, he's almost sixty, and this is like forty. He said he's forty, so they say he's a forty-year-old guy interpreting millennial culture. But uh, whereas in '86, when um, if I remember correctly, I got to see this thing over again. But I remember correctly, Nola Darling said rather bluntly, "I'm a freak." You know, everyone knows what that is. It's like it, it is a type of ownership. Um, I didn't look at it as so ambiguous. It's not ambiguous. She's just straight up. But this new, the millennial said to me, they are ambiguous. And the fact that when she speaks to her psychiatrist and she goes through this litany of descriptors to herself, that's why I started rolling my eyes. And even the psychiatrist looked at her like, okay, you're a nut. When she said, <laughs> uh, I, I'm a polyamorous, blah, 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 I looked at her like, what? And, and it's, you know, that's, the millennials do that. They got, and they do it to you. They say, oh, well, you're this cisgender, blah, blah, blah. Okay, someone took a psychology course, and now they, they, they want to be a psychiatrist. Yeah, basically. Yeah. You know That's what I mean? what that is. 
you know, the, the worst thing you do is have a little bit of knowledge. When someone gets a little bit of knowledge, it's the worst thing. And that's what some of what mm-hmm. I see some of this generation. So when you so when I when I heard her say that and 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 I I didn't have a I didn't feel a certain way about the original Nola Darling. I, I didn't I didn't I looked at her as kind of favorably. But this person, many people will agree, she's not a nice person. I never I never thought that the original Nola Darling wasn't a nice person. I thought she was anything. She was straight up, and she and even the men were somewhat straight up. Everyone was a little bit straighter up. It wasn't this 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 ambiguity going on. So that it now, you know, again updating it, she has a female lover also. So she got three guys and a and a woman, and and she's polyamorous. Blah blah blah. That's 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 the generation. So they they can throw haterade towards Spike Lee, but I think he's got the, I think he's pegged them just right. And 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 the part that got me was, even with these dudes, even with the married dude, everyone is wimping out, conceding to this woman's to this woman's wishes. And real men, listen, real men want intimacy. They want sex. I mean, you know, I'm not going to go. This is you know PG. I'm not going to go real into this, but you get my drift. Real men can 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 accept some of this up to a certain degree, but the premise is for real men: you're nice looking, but you're not all that. And I'm not going to comply to your wishes if it's going to too much, too much agita. These guys were acting like this woman was 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 the Duchess of 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 York or something. Shout out to Megan yeah, you know what? I, I, that annoyed me too, D. Bird. It's like, come on, man. There's too many fine women out there to be sweating this one. There's shit. no way. I would not stress this. I would not stress well, thank that. You. And she's very attractive. Well, thank she's you. very attractive. But come on, man. Uh, lo- lose the nose ring, <laughs> please. It, well, listen. That's, the demographic says that's all right. You know, and something else that got they got me. A, a lot of again, I have to go because I I have dated women that of that age. Uh, what I also notice is these, these personal proclamations. Everything is I got to stand on mine, and we're just dating. Like like if I'm dating a woman, I already have the attitude of this is not that serious. Like nothing is outside of death. Death for men now. Outside of death, everything everything can be worked out. Okay, that's the difference when you're dealing with one of these young dudes that's emotional, their father wasn't home, they're crying, they're crying along with the with the woman. No, I'm not that dude. So when when she wait, when she buys this new dress and it and it elicits a reaction to all the men. Now, I would have given a side eye to what she was wearing, but I wouldn't have said anything. Cause this her I would not have said anything. These guys play, uh, Misplayed, misplayed their positioning by being emotional about this woman's dress. And because really, I would have said, well, in my head, just like the Dave Chappelle skit that I play. Uh, well, you know, if something goes down, if you get some, if you get some kind of attention <clears throat> that you're not going to like, you should, you should expect that. I'm not going to go into. I'm not going to explain the obvious. These men were a little too, little too, too, too emotional for my, for my, my comfort level. Well, she was dumb enough to believe 
you know, when she was a side piece of the married man, I'm gonna really go into a territory that might be uncomfortable. But go ahead. You know, we just shooting the crap here. Go ahead. If he's putting out that kind of money, she's gonna wear what I tell her to wear. <laughs> I'm giving her ten thousand dollars. Wow. You're wear what I tell you to wear when I tell you to wear. Okay. I mean, if he's putting out that kind of money, stop me if I'm wrong. I'm being truthful here. If you want to go there. Sorry about that. You're, you're right. But, um, <laughs> I mean, that's the dynamic. If you're going to be the side piece, I mean, she thought she was a girlfriend. Play, play your role. She was a play mistress. Your position. She was a mistress. Yeah, she position. didn't play a role. Now, he should have checked her or just cut it all off and, and, and moved on to the next one. I wouldn't have got all, I wouldn't have been sending money and all that type of crap, but, you know, it is what it is. Which one was the married man? Uh, Jamie. The okay. guy with the business, the, the the hedge fund hedge fund guy. Right, right. And again, you know, the guy was, was color dynamics in there too. There was some color dynamics in there too. Meaning, meaning what? Look at his wife and look at the girlfriend and look at him. Oh uh, well, yeah. I thought that I thought yeah. that was a positive though. I mean, it, well, I see where you're going with it, but it that well, I don't know if I I thought it was well. He didn't have a type. Which I don't have a type. <laughs> so I mean, he 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 uh his woman was his woman was lighter complected, but this woman he was falling in love with was more was, was darker complected. Although uh, her her although you know she really wasn't really wasn't about much to me. Not about her physically, but just about her attitude. That's you know her attitude and what she was about. She's she's flighty. She's a, she really wasn't a good person. That's the part that I got me. Is this no not reliable? Flighty, but you know you, you you're not in a position to be taken seriously if you're not serious. She's not a serious person. She's of this generation. <laughs> That's why I had to commend Spike Lee, and I've dated women like that briefly. Can only be brief. Just a reminder, folks. Just a reminder. Don't watch this show right after or during listening to Orange Ju- OJ Juices the Rain. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> All right, let's get out of this. But again, I'm gonna try try to complete the series. But I got to episode five. I was like, oh, this is this is painful to watch. She 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 stinks, and these guys are too uh, to use uh, black black Rona's word too thirsty. Is that Come New on. York women? Is that New York? Is that real? Is that New York though? I don't know. Steven, because is, that, I, it, is that New York? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, well, partially, I think I think this is a generational thing cross country. Maybe southern women, maybe southern women conduct a little bit. Maybe southern women, and I, I will admit to this. Maybe southern women got a little bit more confidence than that. They got maybe they they still conceding to more gentility, but these northern women, there may be something to what you what you're saying, Bison. I will concede to that. I, I'll just say this, and I'll end it. This is my my interaction. You know, I'll, I'll deal with it in the comments. A lot of New York City women, you know, they put on that front, but they ain't got shit. You know, yeah, I mean, I'm just telling you like this. At I least in D.C., the D.C. area, you got government. These women got their jo- they got jobs. They got their own homes. You know, they got the, you know they have streams of income. And I've dated women in New York, and I'm, I'm not generalized, so let me just pull that back. A majority of um, so-called 
black women within a certain and I'm, I'm women of color. I'll just widen that group. Um, it may not working for the city or something else. You know, they ain't living like Nola Darling was living because she had a nice little place there. That's true. Um, these too. women are doubling up, tripling up, quadrupling up in a five story walk up in the Bronx or some way, and they are, <laughs> they aren't living the life you think they're living. I mean, that's just well, you know, and you know what? I gotta say this real. I, I gotta say this real quick. The, the the crux of this, and maybe even what's going on with with the, all these sexual allegations. I think some sisters, and I might have mentioned this before too. I think some women of color believe they're going to be able to gain access through these white feminists, and we've never nope. seen that. They, we've never that seen that. But I, but I think yep. they think that. But even beyond that, for 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 the for men, black men specifically, black men do do have to work on their self-esteem. Because if you have, if you really think you're the, you, you, will, you will not be comfortable with a lot of this stuff. Like I, I already have a certain tolerance level, and I don't even think I'm, I'm the ish, but I do think I'm the ish. I mean, you know, I do feel a certain confidence level where I'm only going to tolerate so much from you. And you know, you, a, woman, a woman trying to uh, uh, you know, wave her, 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 her femininity in front of me like, you know, that's not going to work with me. Not like that. You know, that, she's waving, waving her sexual advances as if it's going to like get me to move left and right. I'm at the point now. Maybe it's an age thing. I don't know. But I, but I've also ha- I had a little bit of that in my late twenties. But I, I was able as I got older to kind of to, to, to hone in on better. When you're twenty something, early twenties is very difficult. When you get older, you you you, you listen. No 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 no. I got something too. I got something too, and and the skill set with these brothers. If you want to keep it one hundred, speaking a little bit off the, off the cuff here. This whole thing of I'm waiting for you. I'm more accustomed to getting a call saying, "What are you doing? Can you come over?" That whole thing about they're contro- they're controlling the circumstances. That's not that. That's something to do with your skill set. I'm wow. just saying. I'm just saying. Hey, you're right. I've been told hey, right. the door is open. Come on in. Just walk on in. That's my not bragging. That's a skill set. These cats were just kind of just waiting around like kids, like like, like just waiting for that carrot. Come on, really? Uh, uh, most women would make would have made a decision. So I'm not. I, I will confess. I might have been one of the, one of the three in some situation here or there. But at some point, she's going to make a decision. Going to make a decision. Because somebody's skill set is better than the next person. Whatever your skill is. We're not going to have you floating around for an extended length of time. Because women are built that way. In my opinion. Maybe the millennials got something else going on. Anyway. No more. No, we're still going to go forward. <laughs> No music. <laughs> Let me bring in a caller, and then we want to go to um, let's go to Milestone Media. I was I was very, very happy to see that they got their close up, courtesy of Robert Kirkman. Uh, I re- I'm really digging their his AMC Secret History of Comics. So let me go to seven seven three two. Seven three two. Welcome to the midweek. Tell us who you are, where you're calling. How from. you doing? How you doing, guys? This is uh, Joe up? K. Uh, What's from up, New man? Jersey. Uh, first, I want to say uh, like, 
my heart goes out to the captain. I hope he comes back. And it's sad, you know, he lost a family Thank member you. like that. Thank you, man. He'll be uh, back on Sunday. <clears throat> it is rough. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. I was. I, I wanted to talk about the the special that I saw Robert Kirkman, uh, the the secret uh, history of comic books. Um, yeah, the Moscow Media. That that was really really good episode. Uh, I just want to know what you guys feel about that. Uh, and, you know, going into the black history of the comic books. You know. Well, well, first of all, I, I I could tell I could tell that Daryl uh, easily. First of all, these are local heroes, Springfield Gardens, the Queens. So you start to hear these guys practically live around the corner from from some of us uh, who were raised in these neighborhoods. That's number one. Uh, number right. two, we some of, some of these people we actually know. You know, we saw David Walker uh, discuss. Mm-hmm. You know, David Walker's going to probably be on uh, next week or, or either if not this Sunday, next Sunday because he's, he's going to want to talk about the Shaft movie and how the Shaft movie is, is giving us the Shaft. But yeah, David Walker is a friend of the show. So uh, I felt very proud that Daryl and myself actually have a connection to some of these, to, to some of these people. Um, and John Jennings, I, 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 John Jennings was there too. Yeah, John Jennings was there. He's going to come on the show. Uh, he's going to have his, uh, his Schomburg festival next month. So uh, I, I felt pride. I've been, I felt very prideful. I like that. I honestly felt that it, it was it was given a, it gave a certain gravitas to uh, milestone the way that we saw Kirby and and Stan Lee discussed. They were able to actually go into this. They went into uh, they had Method Man there, and Method Man got got off. And I'm a big Method Man supporter when it comes to his lyric, lyrical ability. But it also it also shows you how culturally important comic books were not just the white people. So it was, it was a lot to unpack with this hour-long episode. I'm probably going to have to look at it again. Uh, we saw the late mm-hmm. uh, Dwayne McDuffie, who we were fortunate enough to interview uh, before he died. Yes. So uh, it, it shows you the progression that when we first started Afro Nerd Radio, um, you know, we, was, we would speak about black folks involved in comics. We would highlight these things but now we're actually seeing a lot of people in the space getting recognition. The, the content is actually getting high. Uh, shout out to the folks behind Tuskegee Airs who we've interviewed. Uh, there's, there's an animation thing coming along for them. So there's things that are happening. You know, we just have to, we have to uh, as, as uh, Bison says, we have to, um, what's the word you always say, uh, curate. We have to curate this stuff now. But uh, I was very, I was very, very prideful for what I saw. Daryl, what are your impressions of um, the documentary? Well, uh, as well, Bison has seen me in action with creators. Uh, shout out to uh, BlurredCon. and just to see so many creators that I've talked to and have and have annoyed and learned stuff from all in one show. It's awesome. I have spoken to. Uh, folks, if you haven't seen the episode, I have spoken to like 95% of the people in the, the episode. I really have. I, I, the only guys in there that I've never had a really deep conversation with is Matt Wayne, Paul Levitz. Although I've spoken to Paul Levitz, it was the, I couldn't pick his mind or anything with that like that. But I, I found it interesting, and we brought up 
we brought up the previous um sorry about that folks. We well we, we brought up the previous interview we did with Dwayne McDuffie. A lot of stuff that were when they got to McDuffie we had on our podcast. Yeah, right. We, he actually alluded to some of this stuff that he either said he couldn't get into or he had stuff in motion. And um later on later on, on my Twitter I will repost that 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 the link to that just to show uh, when uh, that he was very open about it, but he was reserved because he knew he had this stuff coming down the pike. I mean, yeah, how just hearing this, hearing the phone call he made to um, oh, was it Michael Davis? The phone call he made to Michael Davis, talking about the static action figure, yeah. and then the next day he died. I never oh, yeah. knew yeah. that. Yeah, I never heard about that too. Yeah. I I mm-hmm. had to I had to pause my DVR a second, and I, I, I'm man enough to admit it. I bawled like it, I bawled like it, it happened all over again, because mm-hmm. I'm like he was giddy. It sounded like one of us. Like oh, this is coming out. Oh 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 oh, and then he's gone. Yeah. Oh, straight to the heart. You know what? Dennis Cohen has always been a little reserved when it came to talking about this. The story he told about McDuffie's mom at the funeral. Listen, I ragged on DC and Milestone about not coming through with their stuff, but it's it's a it's a labor of love. I'm rooting for it to come back. You know, and you could see the passion and the love these guys had for it and how we, we they had pictures of everybody back in the day working in in their uh, in their uh, quote unquote clubhouse you know and uh, folks it i i i rag just because i want it out just bring it back you have the ips you have the properties you know, if you could do what you did with Milestone, uh, what Milestone, with Wildstorm, and have Innis, and have Brian Hill, and have N. Stephen Harris, and John Davis Hunt shepherding the Wildstorm resurgence, there is no question that we should have already had a Milestone resurgence, you know? And folks, it's a must-see, and you know what? Kirkman, I rag on you a lot for Walking Dead. I rag on you a lot about that. But there is no doubt that these these informative documentaries about the comic business are a must-watch for every comic book fan. Deepert, back let's to you. Call it for, let's call it for what it is, man. Milestone made the Deepers. I mean, without Milestone... Indirectly, there is no Afro Nerd show. That's true. And I mean, they they are us. They just went one yep. step further. I just hope. I think now. I mean, you know, we have a fancy name to it with Blurts, and you have all these podcasts and what have you. We are the we are the cousins, little cousins, the brothers, what have you, of Milestone. Mm-hmm. I think I think the infrastructure is in place for a Milestone resurgence. Can I, you know, can I interject real quick and just ask, 
Can yeah. any of you please, for, for those of us who have cut the cord and don't have AMC and have to find creative means to find these shows. I got you. Could you please you. tweet out tweet out the, the name of the episode, please, and the name of the show. Color of Comics. Color of Comics Cody. is the name of the episode, and it's The Secret History of Comics by uh, Robert Kirkman. Or okay. Kirkman's yeah, Secret Swing. History of Comics. Well, check check your DM. TV or he totally could. Okay. Well, check your DM uh, in about after the show, uh, Two Storm. I'll leave it at that. Check your – I'm going to look yeah, at the game. Make I, sure I love you it. have tissue candy. Make sure you have but, tissue you know, candy and and get ready. It will hit um, you. Bison's right on target with that, and that's, that's one thing. I saw myself it, with these gentlemen looking at them, looking at them when they were kids – and how they described their love for comics, the smell of the comic book. I remember that. I remember the feeling of going into a comic book store for the first time. Uh, at that point, it was me and, and uh, Iron Man, you know, uh, a captain's predecessor, uh, Mr. Starks. And I've thought, you know, I've said it so many times that, that the, the, my first comic book was, flat, was a Flash comic book. Which ironically, it was a DC comic for someone who some, someone, some would say is a Marvel fanboy, which really is not really is not correct. My, my only thought, thought about Milestone is that, well, f- definitely, we are, we are at the right time for Milestone to really work. All I can think of is that, you know, I, I saw these young cats in the early 90s. You could tell they were, they were popping champagne bottles. They, were on the, they, they had their own corporate imprint. It looked like, you could see, like, that was black success on the cover of Black Enterprise, but see, now it's 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 really can be codified now. You have a you have blurred a blurred social movement, you have websites, yep. you have podcast shows. I mean there's absolutely no reason media. not for this media now. you have media. I mean uh yeah, in all media. deference in all deference to Bison, you know, we got we're gonna get our Patreon game up in about a week and a half, two weeks. But ideally I would want Afronerd to to move into even a collider Collider video things. I, I see clearly, even on YouTube, I still do not see a, a real black version of Collider where we can actually discuss black product because it has to happen. When Tuskegee Airs comes out with this animation thing going on, um, uh, what's the other? Uh, uh, Teflon Funk. We're going to interview those guys pretty soon, and they they remind me a lot of of uh, the Boondocks. I mean, they, there's so much new content coming out. Yeah, Black well, Lightning, I... Black Lightning is going to come out next yeah. next year, next month. Uh, oh, by the uh, way, the uh, Luke Cage... issue of Black Lightning came out today. Luke Cage uh, number two. You, 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 we, uh, Milestone has to work. The only thing I will say, and I said this before, the the, the changes that Image made because Image had that kind of the '90s were not kind to you know Rob Rob Liefeld and all that stuff. We remember the the foil covers. No, all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, image, garbage. image has made the change where they're not just doing superhero stuff. They're doing everything, and a lot of their a lot of their stuff has been uh, it's getting picked up by movies. They're just they're just good. They've made that change. It's safe to say they are number three. We always talk about the number two, but they're number three. And if if milestone were to really be uh, transitional. It cannot be Milestone 2.0 with just kind of revitalizing these characters. You really, 
you really have to update them. Maybe she's got to have it update them. I say begrudgingly. It's got to be. It's got to be brought up to the to where we are today. Not just superhero stuff. Really open up the door to to where we can start to see some of the green lighting on just stories, but with black, brown, yellow, whatever the, the spectrum. And and also, I, and I, I'm going to pass the mic around. I got to say this too. We can. We got to have some superior art, man. When you go to deviant art, when you go to Afropunk, um, I, I think of Bilquis. Bilquis Elquie, is that her name? Um, Daryl. Yeah. She. She worked. Yeah. Bilquis. I mean, the way she would draw black hair, like, 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 well, how my father would cut hair. I was like, man, this this girl from Brazil knows how to draw black people. You know, we, we, I don't want to see bad art. You know, come out strong, man. Come out superior. If they came out with good art, some of these artists that you've never heard before, give these people a break. I'm on Afropunk. I'm like, my mouth is open with the quality of artistry that I see sometimes. But I never see, I never see those kind of people, really, in a comic book. Not the way that I, that I would want to see in a, in, a, in a milestone product. I don't know what they're going to do. I, they, they can't do what they did in 93. That's all I'm saying. No. No. Let's see. Uh, let me let me do this quick. Uh, news dropped today, thanks to Comic Shop News. If you like the first Incognito, all right, Dark Horse in February it has Matt Johnson revisiting that with a a, a, a limited series coming up. Okay, for Afro Nerd himself, uh, Dynamite is going to have a large omnibus of their Bionic Men, Bionic Ooh. Man books coming out in February also. And of course tonight Sci-Fi and Mr. Millar together, Happy comes out with, what's his name? Chris Maloney from uh, Lord, the Law and Order stuff and Pat, Pat Oswalt. So that well, you know- a quick news update. We're already in the podcast. We're going to go about maybe 10 minutes over. I should have made this show longer, but anyway, we're going to go maybe 10 minutes over. Uh, Superstition, Mario Van Peebles. You know, I have I I've seen, show. like, the first – it is pretty good. I only seen, like, the first episode. But I'm just thinking we can, we can actually rattle off content in this, new, in this new space. We can rattle off the content now. Um, and I, I'm just thinking, you know, you're, you're mentioning some things here. Um, well, we, I think we should. Well, I guess this transition because time is is kind of moving. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino. I'm just thinking all over the place. Oh boy. Quentin Quentin Tarantino uh, made a pitch to J.J. Abrams that he appears to have liked, and now he looks like he might be getting a Star Trek film. So, I mean, uh, how do you feel? How do you feel about that? And how does this? How does it or does it affect Star Trek Discovery? Oh no 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 no! You, I'm not the one to ask about this. Oh, Q. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I don't know if you are asking me officially, but um, it is intriguing, and I do think you have to have these kind of uh, reveals or releases to continue to have Star Trek remain relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, putting that aside, I, it scares me <laughs> because. Well, I think Tarantino, you know, I kind of consider Tarantino to be a little bit like Spike Lee. He came out strong. Now he's sputtering a little bit. 
but uh, ah, he, it's sci-fi. It's 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 green screen. It's um, you know, it's 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 high. It's high level thinking. You know, it's it's Star Trek, and I I just don't know. I I think he could do a good action movie, but would it be Star Trek? That's the problem I have. No, that's all I got right now. Yeah, I kind of figured Q would take that take because yeah. me, I'm, boy, I'm, just, I'm in. Yeah, boy, I'm it's like, cool. boy, cool. I have not seen Tarantino try to touch anything uh, sci-fi, and if you've never written sci-fi before, and your first thing is going to be Star Trek. Good luck to you. That's all I'm going to say because you know there's Trekkies like sharpening knives and their swords. And, or what's the line from Simpsons? Oh, I've just been made aware that there's a lot of you in the audience like stroking guns. We'd like to remind you not to take pot shots at Quentin Tarantino. You know, I could see that situation happening because, man, Star Trek is the deep end, dude. <laughs> I hope I hope you got some sci-fi in your thing outside of From Dusk Till Dawn because um yeah Trekkies are a different animal. Well, if you if you think of um the guy in Django, the the white guy, he you think of him as the captain and Jamie Foxx is number 1 and uh, oh god. Uh Candy was one no. of the uh, Romulans. You might have something. No. 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 <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to say something. I think Black just had an aneurysm. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something that's going to probably assuage your concerns. Because uh, this is where you see more of the connection between Spike Lee and, and Quentin Tarantino. I had said uh, last week that Inside Man was a damn good film. That was well, yeah, one of like the films that, that it, was, it was excellent. I wish it was supposed to have been an Inside Man too. Um when Spike Lee is able to get out, get away from himself, get out of his own way, and just do a film like this, you know, just a straight film without, like, Spike Lee affects, not effects, but affects, <laughs> he's actually a very skilled director when he's not being Spike Lee. Just do, just direct the film. I think uh, there's certain sensibilities with Tarantino that Tarantino has had a has had a, had a more successful run or a longer run maybe at being Tarantino and doing Tarantino stuff than Spike Lee. Like Spike Lee to me has kind of sputtered a little bit for a period. He's just sputtering. Quentin Tarantino really hasn't had that sputtering. So, uh, but I have seen him. I saw him. I saw him direct an episode of a CSI one time. It was a, it was a CSI episode. Going back maybe five, I don't know, maybe six or seven years ago, and it was it was a it was a frightening episode. I mean, I believe one of, one of the one of the team was buried alive, and it was compelling. And it was, you know, outside of you knowing that it was a a, a Quentin Tarantino helm project, it was just a very um, tension filled episode. And one thing we all know about Tarantino, he knows dialogue and he knows tension. So, if we can get if, if we don't see any kind of grindhouse 
a deal with him doing a, a Star Trek, and he just does it from what I saw in that CSI episode, which I ne- I will never forget. Because I was like, wow, he's staying within the he's staying within the lines of CSI. But okay. I could tell that it was it was it was still Tarantino, but he, he didn't go outside the he didn't go outside the lines. He didn't draw outside the lines. As long as he doesn't draw outside the lines of Star Trek, based on what I saw in CSI that episode, we're gonna have a ride on this one. His monologue is gonna be ill. His music might be ill, and the tension that you might want to you might want to see in a Star Trek is gonna be off the charts. I think this is gonna be a killer. I don't think we're gonna see know. Django in space. We're not gonna see Django in space. Trust me. <laughs> I'll say this. I am less, uh, maybe I'm speaking a little bit of hyperbole now, but honestly, I'm less concerned with, uh, I almost said Abrams. I'm less concerned with Tarantino <laughs> directing because he is an effective director uh, than I am with them bringing these actors back in these iconic roles. It's never worked for me. Beyond was the closest that it got. And that's, what I'm most concerned about. I just hope they scrap the whole Chris Pine, Quinto uh, cast and just do something completely fresh with brand new characters. I would much prefer that. that yeah, would make me sure you're, not, you're, you're not ready for Samuel Jackson as an admiral shouting at Kirk, listen, follow the rules. You mu- you're not ready for that? <laughs> <laughs> I think Jackson would play a nice, uh, uh, would be nice in the admiral role. He, he You know, he, I, you know those what's in your wallet commercials? He seems authoritative. You know, just rein him in. That's you were talking about Nick Fury here. He could do that. <laughs> well, I tell you this much: too. Yeah. Star Trek, Star Trek Discovery has kind of raised the bar. Also, like, uh, yeah. well, first of all, Chris, yeah. Chris Helmsworth is supposed to be in the next Star Trek. Re, re, um, uh, oh, going back into going back. Well, going back and I mean, allegedly, unless they scrap that. But allegedly he was connected to – we saw him in, in, in the first one where he was um, James Kirk's father that oh, ends up dying. Yeah. George okay. Kirk. Right. So uh, somehow through some time time loop, we may well, however it's going to work. Uh, if they still go with that and if, if Helmsworth's still a, a marquee name, you know, maybe uh, Tarantino will still use him. I don't know. But if we still see the, still see the same actress, whatever. But Discovery, I don't even think about the the um, the Kelvin universe on, t- on on in movies after Star Trek Discovery. Star Trek, Star Trek Discovery for a streaming property is the business. So yeah, now oh, yeah. you, you you almost have to have a, a, a Tarantino to, for me to kind of raise my interest. I don't really need a Star Trek film to be honest. That's with you. what I said. That's what I said. I, yeah, I can I understand they need to do this to keep it to keep the movies. To keep Star Trek overall relevant, you're right. Discovery has changed the paradigm on Star Trek. A lot of people are kicking and screaming about it, but live with it. And, and it's, you're right. You said it, you just said it right. It doesn't really register on me that we're going to get a new Star Trek film just because it's directed by Tarantino. We're still going to get Kirk and all these guys who are supposed to be these iconic characters. I don't care about that. I care more about the new characters that are kicking ass on Discovery. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I really like Discovery. I think it's I think it's great. I mean, it really invigorated me with my Star Trek. I mean, seriously, I am a great fan of Discovery. Loved every every episode. 
listen, as long as I see black, I don't care what gender, that think I, I, I'm, you know, ultra masculine, blah, 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 blah. I like to see black cogitation. This, this kind of uh, black uh, cultural Vulcan, where you see she's like the smartest, and it, it has been said, she's the smartest person on that ship. And, she, and as, as a black woman with natural hair and who's attractive, she's the smartest person in the room. I, you don't think I'm gonna like this? Is this is the next thing? This is the lead up to T'Challa. It's the lead up to T'Challa for me. I need to see, when I see black intelligence. I've said this ad nauseum on screen. I think the last time I saw it was when um, the uh, the Denzel series they're bringing back. What is the name of that series where he plays um, Training Day? Ah, uh, no, 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 no. It's based on a TV series from the '80s. Oh. It begins with an E. The, uh, not the, the, equalizer. Yes, the equalizer. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he's a quick thinking. You see how his mind is thinking. He's like a, he's like a low grade yeah. black Batman. That's a movie. Yep, that's a but he, movie. Thinking black people, they, you notice the theme. They hate for people to see that. <laughs> so, you know, how long we have Michael Burnham, I don't know. But I, I love Michael Burnham because he <laughs> thinks, <laughs> you know. Well, can we can we not to change the topic, but can we now say that we've got Michael Burnham, we've got T'Challa, we've got Issa Rae, we've got uh, Dear White People, we've got uh, what we were talking about. She's gonna have it. Maybe we can make the case that whitewash, uh, black blackwashing characters is no longer necessary. Can we say that now? Black well, Lightning. So fast, we, we we got we got to get out of our genres. Like right now, uh, Black Panther has a lot of implications because. It's 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 Afrofuturism, you know. We've got to see a concrete park, you know. We've got to see a whole segment that's not rom coms and reality shows. So I mean, we are seeing, you know, we are seeing some things going on, you know. That, you know, but but the, the whole black people in science fiction and actually helming a science fiction property. Hell, we got Bright coming up. I don't know. Yeah, it might be good. Yep. Bright with with uh, Will Smith. I mean, we start to we, if we can see a black science fiction renaissance unto itself, black, that's black a whole people. different ball of wax. Black you got girls trip out there. You know, girls trip is the standard, and those make money. But I don't care about girls trip. And and Tyler Perry saying, wearing a dress for the fifteenth time. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm just saying. Go ahead. I'm sorry. But go ahead, Q. I'm just saying that you know instead of saying, well, let's make these formerly white characters like Valkyrie black. You know, why don't we, you just mentioned a lot of properties out there that have yet to see the light of day. Rather than us getting the arms making Valkyrie black or Heimdall black, why don't we worry about those black properties, getting those properties you just talked about, getting those joints on screen. Let's fight for that. Yeah, well, yeah, listen, like um, Octavia like Butler. Uh, Octavia Butler, when when is she? You know, uh, shout out to John Jennings who who, who did a graphic novel uh, on Octavia Butler. Um, you know, one of our premier science fiction writers is a black woman, was a black woman. Um, also, when you think of uh, of uh, W. E. B. Du Bois, we know him as a premier sociologist, America's premier sociologist, but he also wrote a few sci-fi short stories. I'm intrigued about that. There's, there's a lot of kind, a lot of things going on with black folks that have yet to really be 
uh, explored and, and and promulgated. You know, but the whole trope of black people being comedy, you know, just comedy after comedy, hip hop after hip hop. I mean, that's got to kind of that's what the Black Panther Black Panther thing really represents. And I, I'm still trying to figure out what the box office may be on this thing. I, I think it's going to be. I mean, if it's if it's anywhere north of like seven hundred million, I, I'd really be happy. But something about something about it makes you think it might be. I don't. Know, I, I I I want to do at least Thor numbers, maybe more. Eight hundred million. Just say it. Eight hundred million. Yeah, eight hundred million. I really want to say a billion. That would that would be crazy. But Daryl, you should have taken that bet. You should have taken that bet, Daryl. He dropped already. Uh, gentlemen, you're going to have to close shop. It always gets hot. We'll be back on Sunday. The, the captain will be back on Sunday. Uh, it gets hot and heavy, as always. I've got to learn how to uh, make these, these uh, shows longer. But you never know what, you, you never know what we're going to talk about. Anyway, uh, so people seem to dig the, the Christmas jams. I'm actually getting good responses from them. So, uh, hey, James Brown, hey, America, Christmas. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sunday, 6 p.m. It's been real. Thanks, gentlemen. Hey, America, it's Christmas time.
Let's do it together. 